Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for being here. We're going to be continuing our study on biblical finance. Last week, we looked at part one of how the Bible instructs us on managing our money. We looked at earning, saving, and investing. And Lord willing, today, we will look at giving, spending, and debt. So we start with giving. We've already looked at several areas that we are supposed to give in when we studied the priorities of Christian finance. But here we need to look at the practical place of giving in our finances and our need to plan to give to make sure that we actually give. The, the pattern in scripture is that God's people always gave the first fruits to God. In fact, Christians are called the first fruits of God. This shows us that giving should be at the top of our planning for our finances. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus gives us a very important promise. He tells us this, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And remember, this flows with the earlier things that we've seen. That when we prove that we are faithful stewards of God's resources, He will entrust us with more and more. But the opposite is also true. He says, with the measure I use, it will be measured back to me. So if I'm very stingy and I don't give freely, God says he will also be that way with me. Paul's instructions to the Corinthian believers Give us some, gives us some very helpful assistance in thinking through how we are to give. We're going to look at two passages in 2 Corinthians. The, the first one in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And then the second passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So, first of all, beginning in verse 10. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we read this. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well. So that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if your, 
For if the readiness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has. Not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. But that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need. That that there may be fairness. As it is written, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. I want to just point out a couple of things to you about the Corinthians from that passage. Notice that when they heard of the need, They had the desire to help with the need. And that was the beginning of giving. But notice here, we can sometimes respond to a situation in emotion where we feel like, yeah, I've got to give. But then when you go back home, maybe while you were in church, you felt like, you know, I think God wants me to give 50,000. But then when you get back home, and the emotion has left you, you you begin to look at your money, you say, ah, maybe 40 is good. Uh, but I have these other needs. Maybe I would just give 20. You see, a desire to give is one thing. But follow through is another. And God gives us some instructions in how to make sure that we don't just sometimes have a desire to give, but that we actually give. So I I want you to see now in 2 Corinthians 9 practically what we have to do. In, let's, read, let's begin reading from verse number 3. Paul says, But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter. So that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated. To say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised. So so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. 
I want you to notice here for us to actually follow through with giving. We actually have to plan and prepare a gift. Godly giving does not happen by accident. It is not what you happen to find in your pop in your pocket at the moment of need. Remember when we looked at saving, we saw one of the reasons a Christian saves is so that we are ready to help someone who has a need. But I want you to see the Bible doesn't just say that physically preparing the money is enough to be ready to give. You must prepare your heart to desire to give. Let's Read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 28 with me. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 28. And as you read this verse, ask yourself if you have ever been guilty of doing what, doing what is described here. Verse 28 says, Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it. When you have it with you. Why would a person who has what they are asked for Tell someone to come back tomorrow and then they will give it. It's not that they don't have the ability to give but their heart was not ready to give. So when the request comes Rather than us rejoicing and saying, you know, God, thank you, I've prepared for this. The request comes more like an evil shock to us. Oh no, I don't want you to take that. Once when, once when I taught on this verse, someone told me the modern version of this is when we say to a person, oh yeah, later on I'm, I'm going to phone you back, I'm going to call you back. And then we never call the person again. We saw in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2 that the believers were supposed to lay something aside each week to be ready to give. It's not just enough to prepare your money to give but you actually have to be seeking opportunities to give. What type of giver does the Lord love? A cheerful giver. God doesn't want your money when you give it grudgingly like I don't I don't really want to give this but God says I have to God says he doesn't bless that type of giving. And it would be better if you kept the money than to give with such a, a wicked heart. Some people give their gifts monthly. Some, some people like to give each week. But neither thing will happen on a regular basis. 
without intentional planning and prioritizing of giving. Now let's look at how the Bible teaches us to spend our money. What are, some, what are some biblical principles of spending? You know, some, some people up to this point, you can become imbalanced and think, ah, God, God's going to be angry with me. If I ever use money for myself, God won't be happy with me. But that's, that's not true. God doesn't want us to not have any enjoyment or pleasure in life. And, and, or to think that we can never spend anything on ourselves or for our families. In fact, we know the bulk of our resources must be taken up in, in the use of our family. So how does, God, how does God guide us then in this area? Look with me at Proverbs chapter 21. Verse 17. <laughs> Proverbs 21, verse 17 says this. Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Oil, oil and wine were two luxury items in this culture. Because they were expensive. Do you have an appetite for expensive and nice things? The Bible says if you do, you will be a poor person. Many times, people who have money have money because they are disciplined in their spending. What I mean is just because they have money doesn't mean they will spend that money. Whereas other people, other people, the amount of money they have is the amount of money they spend. For example, I have observed on several occasions where I've, I've taken Ugandans to restaurants to eat. Oftentimes, they will order the most expensive things on the menu to eat. They will get meat. They will order like fresh juice. And they will also get tea. In contrast, in contrast, most, most times, for me, I order rice and beans and water. Sometimes, sometimes the, the, the waiter, waitresses in the restaurant will say, like, why did you come here if you were just going to order beans? It's not that I don't enjoy meat and juice. It's that beans and water are cheaper. 
There are times where we can enjoy something and celebrate. But if you are continually given to things that are lavish, that are expensive, the Bible says you're going to run out of money quickly. So you need to be careful in how you spend. What other ways should I be careful of spending my money? Well, the Bible teaches us that money should never be used to draw attention to myself. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, we read these things. It says, Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. Not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. But with what is proper for women who profess godliness. With good works. In this culture that Paul is addressing, People would display their wealth in their clothing and their jewelry. The motive was to show off their prosperity. Yesterday I was in Kampala with my wife. And I noticed someone driving a vehicle. And on their number plate, it said Daddy 3. And I guess what they wanted everyone to know was that they also had Daddy 1 and Daddy 2 that they drove to. They had three vehicles. That's, that's the modern version of doing this same thing. You, you, you choose what to buy so everyone can look at you and say, wow, look at this one. Is, it, is that, is that a, can that be a temptation to us? To, to, to use money to draw attention to ourselves? Certainly. But we see, we see this is not what God wants believers to be known for. He wants us known for godliness and good works. This doesn't mean that we come to church wearing clothes with holes in them. But it does mean being content with what is sufficient for our needs. Even if we could sometimes afford something that was more costly. The Bible also warns us not to give ourselves to anything that is spiritually unhelpful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, we read this instruction. It says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. What are some things we can buy that are not spiritually profitable to us? 
is, is television and what is put on television, is that mostly a spiritually edifying thing? No, most, most of its content is produced by satanic sources. In Psalm 101, verse number 3, the Bible says, I will not put anything before my eyes that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. I want us to think about some worthless things that people spend their money on. What are some worthless things you see people spending money on that do nothing for their Christian life? Going into dances. Going into dances? Okay. Good example. Do, do, people, do people buy music that has a bad message? <laughs> the storm is coming. I think the power went out. I think the power went out. All right, let's let, let's continue on here. What about things that become habits which can control us? Are some men addicted to football matches? <laughs> yes. Do those football matches, do they build them up in Christ? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 19, warns us this way. It says they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. There should be no habit that controls the way I spend my money that I am a slave to having. Even, even, even things like sugar. Can sugar be something you're enslaved to? I cannot take porridge or tea unless it has sugar. Well, now you're controlled by sugar, right? And, and another, another way to describe that is to say that you are enslaved to that thing. So we're spending... I must be careful with my spending. I should not just spend whatever I have in my hand. And my spending should not violate any biblical principle. And I should, I should spend money on what is spiritually profitable. Okay, now lastly we're going to look at debt. 
And this is an area we need a lot of reform in. It's clear in life that it's not a sin to borrow when we are stuck with a need that we can't meet. We might have a sick child and need a hundred thousand from a friend while we wait to earn that money. But that's a very different thing from deciding to go into debt through taking out a loan. The Bible tells us this in Romans 13. Romans 13. Let's, let's read verse 7 and 8. It says, Pay to all what is owed to them. Tax to whom tax is owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. Then it says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So the reason I read verse 7 as well is that the context of verse 8 seems to come from that, that discussion. So, it, it seems best to understand this then as not necessarily a condemnation for ever having to borrow but the condemnation of unpaid debt. The Bible describes the behavior of a wicked person this way in Psalm 37 verse 21. Psalm 37 verse 21 says the wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. This is something many believers in our culture are failing with because of typical financial practice. People borrowing and owing money to someone for a long time is so normal that people are very relaxed in paying back what they've borrowed from someone. I've lent money to people who have never paid me back. And I've seen some of them then going around and spending money to purchase things. Which, which means that it's not that they can't pay someone back. But, but they are so unfaithful in this area. That they don't mind making someone wait. To receive what they are owed while they get what they want. Okay, that, that practice should never be true of a Christian. 
The Bible says it's the wicked who borrows and then doesn't pay back. Now there are times where you're even forced into debt. I once had an emergency spinal surgery. To save, to save my life from, from damage which had been done in, a, in an earlier surgery. And when I was meeting with the surgeon, I, I told him, I don't, I don't have this money. Because it was going to cost 25 million. And I told, I told him, honestly, I don't have the money. And he told me, he says, well, we have to do this anyways. He, he told me, you are, you are literally moments away from dying. You could die any time. So we have to do this. So they went ahead to save my life. The hospital then gave me eight weeks to pay that 25 million. And God, Katonda. by means of his generous children, provided all of that debt that I owed in six weeks' time. I made the final payment with two weeks to spare. But it was interesting to see how the hospital's financial department responded to how quickly I paid the debt. They told me they didn't think I would pay. And they said even if you did, we thought it might take you more than a year. And that's why we only gave you eight weeks to pay it off. Now their, their thinking speaks to most people's behavior in our culture. Most people are, are not trustworthy when they go into debt. And that shouldn't be true of a Christian. There are other times where a loan might be a wise financial investment. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. In North America, America, homes are very expensive. But, but renting is also expensive. And so what a lot of people do is they will get a loan to purchase a house and then the, the payment they make each month is the, is the same as the amount of money they would be paying if they were just renting. So, for example, in, in America, it's common for people's rent each month to be something like four million. So if you pay four million every month just to rent, no matter what, you 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 aren't going to get anything. That money is just gone, right? So what people will do, they take a loan <laughs> so, that, so that they are paying the bank each month what they owe. That's, that same amount of money and then by the time they've paid off the whole debt, they, they own the house. 
So you understand how that's actually a wiser thing to do? Because otherwise you're just throwing that money, that rent money, you're just throwing it away, right? Okay. But, but while these examples are there, does the Bible encourage us to feel free about entering into debt? The book of Proverbs tells us this. In Proverbs 22, verse 7, it tells us. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. When you borrow, what do you become? You become a slave. Okay? Does God want Christians enslaved to anything except Him? In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, we read this. It says, you were bought with a price. So do not become slaves of men. It's very clear God doesn't want Christians going into debt. One of the big reasons for this is that it reverses the natural order or the biblical order. Of who determines what we need. We looked previously at how God is the one who determines what we need. And we can understand what God thinks we need by looking at what he has provided for us, right? So if, if instead of relying on God to give me something, I go and take out a loan to get what God has not given me. I'm insisting that God must provide for me what he hasn't deemed to be necessary for me. Another Another very strong reason against debt is that it suggests that we are the ones in control of the future rather than God. Go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verses 13 to verse 16. It says this. Come now you who say. Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town. And spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You know, some believers go so far as to say that, that taking out a loan is a step of faith. The Bible, like, have you ever heard someone say that? I'm, I'm just trust, trusting God. Well, the Bible actually says that it's a step of foolishness, not a step of faith. Why? 
Because God says you don't know what's going to happen. What if I take out a loan for 20 million? Because I have a good job. And I think after a few years I can pay it all off. But then next week, I'm, I'm killed in an accident. And now my wife and children are left with my debt. Did I make a good decision? You know, Jesus told us that none of us by worrying can add a single hour to our span of life. There is so little in your control. And God's saying when, when you when you just go ahead and plan your future without God, you are setting yourself up for some serious consequences. Loans can be a temptation because they allow us to think we have jumped past the hard work of saving and storing up. We immediately get what we want without having to do God's method of being diligent and being disciplined. Remember from last week, how does God say that you can save up something big? How do you do it? You gather little by little, and in time you have a lot. But many of us say, I'm not patient enough to do that. I have, I have to have this thing right now. So then we make a disobedient decision. And we get into trouble. And then who do we go to to help us? We say, God, why have you abandoned me here? Why are you letting me be in such trouble? And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do the things I tell you to do. Don't you think we frustrate God so Sometimes, if it was possible for God to be frustrated. What are you supposed to owe people? Owe no man anything except what? Love. I, I hope you're seeing something. There's a principle in the Christian life that while we've been looking very carefully at finances in, in developing a right perspective, what does the right perspective on finance teach you about what God wants in a believer's heart. Previously, when you planned your finances, who did you always think about? Me, right? When you look at how God wants you to plan your finances, who do you not find a period? 
We have seen our family. We have, we have seen our brethren. We have seen the poor. We have seen God. We have seen the lost. But nowhere, nowhere in the priorities have we seen me, myself, right? What does that teach you about the Christian life? We become selfless, yes, what Swipe said. The Christian life is about following the example of our Savior. <laughs> who gave everything of himself. So that we could be saved, right? There's a beautiful line in a, a very old song. It's in our hymn book. It's, it's called, And Can It Be? But in that, in that song, there's a, a, a verse which says that, describing Jesus, it says he emptied himself of all but love. If you had to summarize the character of Christ in just one word, what would be the best word? Love. If, you had to, if all of us here had to summarize each other's characters, how would you be described by your peers? How would you be summarized? But I thought we were all Christians. And yet when we look at ourselves, Many times, many times instead of seeing the selflessness of Christ, we see the selfishness of sin. The area of money is a very good way to check yourself on this. Is it, is it painful for you to give? Or is it a joy for you to give? Is it easy for you to deny yourself something so that you would have the ability to give to someone else? We're going to close with just this illustration. I have an, I, I have an uncle who is not really my uncle, but he's always been referred to as an uncle in our family. Uh, he just retired last year. But he was, a, he was a single man for much of his life. And he was, he was a doctor. And he was also a very successful investor. But in the time that I've known him, all of his vehicles have resembled my RAV4. And it's funny because he's always had more than enough money to be able, if he wanted to, he could buy himself a very nice car. But when I was a boy, um, when my uncle was single, he himself was supporting a dozen missionaries to be sent around the world to proclaim the gospel. What does that mean? 
See, he, he made a choice. Based on what he valued most. He could have chosen not to send those missionaries. Or, or, or to send fewer of them. He could justify himself and say, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm already sending a few. Now let me use this money for myself. But he was content to live with much less so that he could invest in God's kingdom. I, I met him last year and uh, I laughed so much. We had a great conversation. But I met him at, at the hospital he was working at. Very big hospital. And where I, I, I was using a vehicle that belonged to my parents. And, and when, I, when I parked, I noticed this very old vehicle. Which, which was just beside me. And in, in, in Minnesota where we come from, during, during the winter time, we get a lot, of, a lot of snow and ice on the roads. Which makes it very slippery to drive. So we have, we have these big trucks that dump salt on the roads. Because, because the salt it, it melts the ice. But that salt has a corrosive effect on vehicles. So you end up with these holes in the bottom of your vehicle. This, this vehicle I noticed next to me. It, it was very old and it had several holes in it. And it was a very cold day. And I laughed to myself thinking, boy, that, that person must be very cold as they're driving in their vehicle. And after, after I had, had had time with my uncle, we walked to the parking lot together. And do you know who that very old car belonged to? It was my uncle. But I appreciated that. Because my uncle has always been a great testimony of, of choosing to give up what you could have. To serve Christ. Everything in the Christian life demands a sacrifice. Okay. Money is just one of the areas that we have to sacrifice. Are, are you sacrificing? Are you choosing to give up what you could have? Because you want to be a blessing to others. Or are you the only one that you think about? This, this outline that we've looked at is very clear. Money is given to us for whose purposes? God's purposes. The priorities of our finance is for us to obey God in all those areas. And in the management of our finances, it's not so that we can be rich and not, and not depend on God. But it's so we can have the ability to fulfill his purposes. Amen.
How are you doing with this? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. And we thank you again for this study. Thank you for even keeping the, the rain away for us, from us so that we could finish. Although we, you know we do always appreciate rain when you give it. We thank you for being our provider. For protecting us from things sometimes we don't even realize. Lord, help us in this area of finance. Money can be such a trap for us. We can love it. And we can make it our God. And we can end up pierced with many pains like the Bible warns. And we can be condemned in our planning. That rather than thinking about anyone else, we just think about ourselves. Father, help us to change. We need to be doers of your word. Not just hearers. Help us to start giving more. Help us to prepare to give. Help us to spend carefully. Help us to be balanced in all things. And as we make application of these instructions, Please bless our resources that we might see your hand approving of what we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.